0: Our goal is to create hybrid teams of church planters and pastors and vocational missionaries to either plant a church or help a church grow. And so a vocational missionary is a missionary that has a true sense of calling to the Great Commission, but yes, does not raise support. He gets employed by his employer, but he does it specifically as a member of a local church or a member of a local church planting team.
1: Well, we're here continuing our time at the 2023 General Assembly of the Presbyterian Churches of America meeting here in Memphis, Tennessee. We're at the Renaissance Center downtown and meeting people. And that's what we do, meet people and tell stories. Byron Tyler here with Bot Radio Network. Thanks so much, friends, for stopping by. Kerrigan Santos, who's on staff and my assistant, she's been walking around the exhibition hall, meeting people. She came back with a bag full of information. She said, Byron, here's some people you need to meet. And so I said, well, okay, let's get them on the microphones. And so we're starting some time here now. You're going to meet when you come to a conference or convention like this. So many different people, so many different ministries that are represented in this exhibition hall. It is such a blessing to see what God is up to around the world for the gospel's sake and so i just met a gentleman that i'm looking forward to introducing you to he's with the ministry called 1826 network the 1826 network let me introduce you now to someone i just met tom noctagalli mm-hmm. who is with the 1826 network tom welcome to bot radio network thank you hey we were just kind of <laughs> talking off a microphone and some of the connections you are actually a ministry under the umbrella of Mission to the World.
0: Of Mission to the World, yes.
1: And I just, we recently had Roger Lowther, who was with uh, Mission to the World in Japan. You don't personally know it because it's a big staff there. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's pretty encouraging to see the network there and just mm-hmm. what you guys are doing. We want to explain more about your work. But originally, you're from Belgium.
0: Yes, I was born and raised in Belgium. In Brussels or outside? No, of? in the Flemish part, in a little city called Oudenaarde. And I was able to come to the United States as a 19-year-old with my parents and siblings who then moved back five years later. But I became a Christian through the Ministry of University during my university years. When my parents moved back in 84, I was married in 84. And um, have been, yeah, but then I was in the United States for the next 15 years.
1: Wow. You know, I told you I had an experience in Belgium back when I was in college. I spent a summer campaign with Operation Mobilization, Mm -hmm. and our first stop was in, uh, we landed in Brussels and drove to Leuven, which is about 40 kilometers outside of uh, Brussels. And uh, tell me, now, the name of the institution we were, which we were staying on part of the campus, which was the Greater Europe Mission at that time. I don't okay. know if they're still there. They might have changed their name. They're not there anymore. Might have changed their name. Might mm-hmm. have been having work somewhere else. But at that time, it was under the auspice of Greater Europe Mission. That was the section. This is a big monastery and a seminary mm-hmm. for the Catholic Church, but some of the property was used for other purposes.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily know that much about the property you're talking about. I do know that greater European missions for a long time at their headquarters in Belgium, but were forced out of Belgium because of some tax issue that... Okay. And they had to be moved out. Right. And so um, I know that Operation Mobilization has their hospitality and welcome center in Zaventem, which is very, very close to the airport. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's where... A lot of the OM teams always used to gather before they use their own vans right. to go all over
1: yeah. the world. I drove one of those vans. <laughs> our, our team was a, as a music team and we traveled from Belgium through Germany and we stayed the summer in Austria. Yeah. We were in Amstetten where we started and then we traveled all over yeah. from Wien to Salzburg doing yeah. music concerts. <laughs> yeah. So it was experience. I I was like 19 years old now. I'm 61 now. So that was quite a few years ago. Yeah. But uh, so can you talk a little about life growing up as a a young boy in Belgium?
0: Well, so I mean, the Belgium that I grew up in really doesn't exist anymore. But I grew up in a very typical Flemish culture uh, that's culturally very Roman Catholic. And Belgian people in contrast to dutch people are you know are very private hold to themselves are, are a bit cautious relationally you know everything was very local back then uh so very monoculture which today is very different because you know we've gotten so many immigrants the last 40 45 years i'm 63 now so so, yeah, the Belgium I grew up in, yeah, does not really exist anymore. Yes. Um, and so, Tom,
1: really, as you mentioned that, I was just thinking, even here in Memphis, Tennessee, where we're doing our program f- from at this mm-hmm. convention, it's becoming truly a multicultural, you know, destination city, mm-hmm. just like places all over the United States, mm-hmm. you know, with refugees mm-hmm. and immigrants moving. They always have, but we're, we're seeing more, and you know, we're seeing the face of of cities and nations changed greatly because yeah. of that. Yeah, that's yeah. the
0: same in Belgium. So, you know, like when I left Belgium in 79, you know, you looked at the our, our national football team, huh? the soccer team, yes. it's all white, looking like me. But you look at the national football team today and there's maybe three people that look like me and everybody else is of yeah. a different color, yeah. different culture, you know, North, North African, Congolese, Belgians. Yes. But they're just very different. So it's like, you know, I refer to them as the new Belgians and New Europeans. Right. You have Turkish Belgians, you know, Congolese Belgians, North African Belgians. And it's it's quite unique. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so in that way, Belgium has changed quite a bit.
1: Yeah. And some of that is a, a melting pot of some rich history and heritage that can is blended together oftentimes, especially when you talk about some of the different ethnic foods. They get blended into that. that. Too. <laughs> yes. We really want to talk, too, about the, the work that you're into with uh, the mm-hmm. 1826 Network. Jesus said in, in Matthew 28, You know, we, we refer to that to the Great Commission, that we go into all the world and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We, we know that command that we've been mandated as a church mm-hmm. to make disciples. The gospel is our message, right, Tom, mm-hmm. to get that message out. One of the things I think we're noticing now as we move into the time we are now, ministry sometimes has a different look or can take on a different look Mm -hmm. when it comes to making disciples, making contacts, not just through the local church, but through business, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. business opportunities as we have business professionals now that are greatly being able to influence the marketplace with the gospel of Christ.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, the 1826 network is not so much the business model or business as mission basically is—it's—it's it's very much a, a church-based approach to sharing the gospel. But instead of focusing, 1826 focuses more uh, on people who use their vocation as their mission, but out of a local church or a local church planting work. Okay. So. Uh, So our goal is to create hybrid teams of church planters and pastors and vocational missionaries to either plant a church or help a church grow. And so a vocational missionary is a missionary that has a true sense of calling to the Great Commission, but yes, does not raise support. He gets employed by his employer, but he does it specifically as a, as a member of a local church or a member of a local church planting team. Right. And, uh, and his primary witness is his narrative, is his professional and personal narrative. What makes you different? So your job gives you that platform to build relationships. Yes. Where people begin to ask the question, okay, why are you different? And then you have an opportunity to share your personal story and say, look, you want to hear more? Come to my church. Come meet the people of God. So it's That's really, kind of the, the heart, of it, oh, the heart I, of it.
1: I love that. So it really is connecting people back to the local church. It is. Which, yeah, that's yes, awesome. Yes. It reminds me, recently I had a, a friend on is a coffee roaster here mm-hmm. in our city. Mm-hmm. And he's built a relationship with a community down in Oaxaca, Mexico. Mm-hmm. And through this relationship, he's getting their, the coffee beans. Mm-hmm. But as a result of that relationship, they've been planting churches mm-hmm. through this business mm-hmm. and also helping the economy mm-hmm. of these coffee growers. Yeah, And they've coming to Christ, seeing the vision, and then planting churches in other areas outside of their community. Yeah, So it's really exciting to see the different facets of how God is working mm-hmm. to get the message of Jesus Christ yeah. to the world,
0: right? Yeah. And it's particularly a, a, a strategy where younger generations are, are attracted to. There are younger families who have a real desire to become part of the Great Commission, as you mentioned. But yet don't feel that they want to raise the support or go through an, you know, an extensive vetting process. And but they want to use their job to support local pastors, local church planters, yes. and uh, you know, and it's and we have you know we've, we've we started this ministry four or five years ago, and today we have about seventy people all over the world in connection with local churches. local mission teams
1: are you seeing too tom where a business owner or somebody who has a business profession may be able to get into a particular area of the world say a country or a nation who might not be as receptive to christianity but based on their professionalism the business product they offer or the skill or service that's kind of the key to get into and build those relationships does that happen
0: it does but i think You know, it's a bit more challenging to think about business as missions because, you know, to start a business is difficult to begin with. And to be successful at it, even in the U.S., is a hard thing. Right. So to do that cross-culturally is even harder. So the 1826 network is not so much business as missions. You go work for Coca-Cola, who is established, or whatever company that's there, and you're simply in a you of that company, get paid by that company, but you do it really in support of local churches, of local church plants, in relationship with missionaries like myself.
1: Mid-South Viewpoint will return in a moment.
2: He won the race by choosing not to run. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with the point. In 1924, Eric Little won an Olympic gold medal in the 400 meter race. As a devout Christian, Little decided to never race on Sundays. Imagine his dismay when he realized that his best race, the 100 meters at the Olympics, was scheduled for a Sunday. Little withdrew to the derision of many Britons who thought he was being disloyal to his nation. He quickly pivoted to the 200 and 400 meter races, taking third in the 200 and claiming the gold in the 400. Little was the son of Scottish missionaries to China, and his story was memorialized in the film Chariots of Fire, which won the Oscar for Best Picture in 1981. Despite athletic success, Little returned to China the following year. During World War II, the Japanese took over his mission statement, placed him in an internment camp where he faithfully served Christ and others before dying of a brain tumor in 1945. Little's Olympic time decision was consistent with the life he lived and faithful service to Christ, who made him for China, but also made him fast. He ran every race, including the race of life, to feel God's pleasure. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street.
1: Okay, so tell me the name 1826. How did that come to be?
0: So 1826 comes from Acts 1826, where you meet Priscilla and Aquila, who come to Christ through the ministry of Paul in Corinth. And then Paul, of course, says, look, I want to go to Ephesus, plant this church. Can you please come with me? And they use their vocation as a ministry platform to support that local church and, of course, they are used to bring Apollos into the church, who becomes a, you know, a very powerful preacher in the New Testament church. So that's where the name comes from.
1: Right. Okay, so right now you mentioned you have 70 people in the network in various places.
0: Yes, all over the world.
1: All, all over the world. Mm-hmm. So how do you recruit missionaries to come join you and be part of what you're doing?
0: Well, much of it has come through word of mouth. Uh, actually, when we started, people... Um, you know, younger, younger people use media to find out what they can and cannot do. Right. We have a very good website that people have visited a lot. And through Word of and through the website, we've grown now into, yeah, like into seven, 70 people on the field.
1: Wow. Are you living here in the United States?
0: No, I live in Belgium. So my role for the 1826 Network as an MTW missionary is to develop Europe in connection with local churches and mission teams, yes.
1: Okay, and so break it down for me. So talk about developing these teams. What are some of the principles or the values that's really important from the network, 1826 network that you believe that need to be kind of foundational as you develop these teams and move them forward?
0: Well, one of the key values for us is church to church. It's a church to church based ministry. So a local PCA church or a local church will recognize a person who wants to be vocational missionary, and um, and they will then be sent out from a local church to a, a church, for example, in Belgium, and be under the care and supervision and authority of that local church. Right. So it's a very much a church-to-church based ministry right so that's that's a high value and then of course um one of the the things that we really are very careful about is discerning a real call i mean yes you have a vocation but you're a vocational missionary so you definitely want to be called to being a missionary using your vocation yes so discerning the call takes you know takes a unique vetting process that involves the local church, involves being to be recommended by a local church, uh, have um, recommendation letters from other people, and then go to an extensive interview process with us.
1: But as the vocational side of it, mm-hmm. that missionary is going to be working not as a pastor, yes. but in a job somewhere. Yes. Okay. But his main support would be coming from his own vocation. Mm-hmm. He, so he basically he's self-supporting. He's
0: self-supported. Yes. Yes. Talk
1: about the balance here. I can imagine, you know, when you're working 40 plus hour a week and the demands and the stress that are on yeah. and then still realizing, wait a minute, you know, I do this. But also I'm a missionary and I've got to be on mission and do it and realizing how you structure your time. How you structure that, there's a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. and balance, I would think, there, and your scheduling time mm-hmm. and knowing how to properly execute that.
0: Well, of course, you have to remember that your vocation is your mission. So when you're on the job, you have a narrative, you have a professional and a personal narrative that you live out before the people that you work with. So that is your mission. Yeah. So, you know. And how you, where you create balance in terms of the stresses that you feel is what an, a, you know, a typical Christian would experience in the US. He would be refreshed through the local church, through the preaching of the word, through the fellowship of the saints. So he needs to be committed to church life and church ministry on a local level. Yes. That's where he would have to be refreshed. And, and then I think for vocational missionaries, people like myself and my wife, have the responsibility to provide care for them to make sure that some of the stresses that they would feel that they could address to somebody like me. Yes. uh, That could then give advice and counsel and make sure that the proper care is given. Yeah.
1: And these opportunities for vocation missionary service are not just for for singles. They could be for families. Oh, yes.
0: Yes. Most of our people our families. We have some single people, of course, but I say that 90% of all the people in 1826 have families.
1: Now, in that family makeup, is the husband mainly doing the vocational work, or could the wife also be in vocational work too? Well,
0: in some instances, we have, uh, it is the wife that has the job. Yes, we have a few uh, vocational missionaries where it is the wife who is employed.
1: And so, which obviously frees her husband up, I guess. To,
0: to do ministry in the local church. Through the local church. Yes, we do have that. And yes. what are
1: some examples of ministry types through the local church? I mean, I'm probably similar to what you would see in local ministry here, but may, maybe not. I mean, especially if you're in a different culture, in a different country, what would that look like?
0: Well, in some instances, depending on, on the vocational ministries and its background, in Europe, for example, they can provide, some of them are ruling elders and have experience as ruling elders so they can teach. They may eventually become a ruling elder of the local church that they're serving in. We have people who have certain gifting in building relationships and sharing the gospel, teaching English as a second language, uh, being involved in mercy ministry, um, refugee ministry. There was all kinds of avenues in local churches that people can get involved in.
1: So I guess somebody, a professional like a, a doctor or a physician, would could also be
0: in in a place like Belgium. That would be more difficult because it's highly regulated. Right. So uh, so that would be more more difficult, but not impossible in certain in certain senses. But you have to be you would have to be careful attention to the laws of the land. Yes. Yeah.
1: So, what are some of the future plans? I mean, where where would 1826 just continuing to recruit, continuing to place missionaries, vocational missionaries in places all over the world, I guess.
0: Well, one of the goals that we have is to regionalize. So now we have an 8026 board of directors. We have our own 501c3 that's here in the U.S. But we would like to have a, you know, Board of directors and then Five on Street located in Europe, in Japan, in the Middle East, and in other parts of the world so that, so that it can be locally driven. Okay. So that local churches there begin to send out their own 1826 missionaries in other parts of the world. Right. Yeah. So my goal would be not only to have local churches in Europe receive 1826 missionaries but to send out 1826 missionaries. Oh, I love that. Yes.
1: Now, so is the the goal, too, to have 1826 missionaries working on the various World to the Mission locations, like you mentioned, Japan, uh, Europe, wherever World to Mission is operating, would that be the 1826 would come to those nations and work under that?
0: Yes, that's what, what we would like to see happen, is that European Christians... And there are, you know, not so many, of course. But I work with the International Presbyterian Church, and it's grown quite a bit in the UK. And so to have the UK begin to send out 1826 missionaries to International Presbyterian Churches on the continent would be very helpful. Yes. Or to send them to Japan. Right. Where, you know, it's much harder to plant churches. So this whole idea of doing, you know, of of sending out churches from different cultures to support each other within the eighteen twenty-six network yes. is where we want to go.
1: Tom, are you encouraged by the work of the church since Europe is your homeland, let's just take Europe for example. Mm-hmm. You mentioned of course the church is not as strong. It's becoming that way here in the United States mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. How do you see the church what's happening with the church today in Europe?
0: Well, of course, you know, you can divide Europe into a Protestant and a Catholic Europe, or you know, a mix of the two. So Belgium is, is, a, is a Catholic, as a Catholic history and culture. And what you see now in Belgium is, so my generation and older views Christianity through the disappointment of the Roman Catholic Church. But my generation and younger who does not have that experience. So Belgium is extremely secular. And when you talk to the younger generation today, they don't have the baggage of that. And yet they are wrestling with, yeah, the the, the spiritual void that's in their hearts. They, They are struggling with ultimate questions, ultimate issue. And there is... A renewed opportunity, especially for younger people, to go and build relationships with people who have no idea what Christianity is about. Yes, And if you have the patience to build the relationships, you will have an opportunity to share Christ in a way. And I think, you know, without having that Roman Catholic kind of, no, no, I don't, I don't you know, I don't want that. You know, I'm an older generation and when you talk to a twenty year old or a little older, thirty year old, there is a there is a gap there that younger people need to fill. Yeah. And so I'm always looking for younger people that have an ability and a heart to share relationally themselves and the gospel.
1: I think that's one of the most powerful ways we can communicate the message of the gospel is through relationships. It is. And you know, and the old saying is, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. Yeah. And as you as you go on a journey with people and do life with people, yeah. And and really, that's how you disciple someone. Really, yeah. as we talked to opening the program, yeah, about the call to discipleship. Yeah. Because that's what's really needed. We need more disciples of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and they're built through those relationships. Mm-hmm. Well, Tom, this has been really good. Now, if somebody, i say a pastor listening now do you only work with pca churches no
0: we work with i mean we we work with reformed churches reformed baptists we we also work with broadly evangelical churches but our first you know first priority is to the pca and to reformed churches sure. but we have people with 1826 that don't come out of a reformed background as well
1: okay yeah okay so how can we connect with you is
0: there a, you mentioned a website yes yeah, so if you just google the 1826 network we have a very well developed website with tons of information that can put you in touch with us okay and we will we will contact you right away if you visit our website
1: all right well this has been wonderful tom thank you so much for what you're allowing christ to do in and through you for his kingdom For his glory being with us here at Bot Radio Network as we broadcast, friend, from the 2023 PCA General Assembly. We're at the Exhibition Hall, downtown Memphis, at the Renaissance Convention Center. Having a great time meeting people like Tom. God bless you, Tom. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thank
0: you. Thank you. It's my pleasure.
2: Mid-South Viewpoint. The show is archived for on-demand listening on our website at network.com or via your favorite podcast platform. Stay tuned to Bot Radio Network to fill your day with God's Word.